Well, again, welcome guys to the weekend experience here at Grace, and thanks for making time on this Mother's Day weekend to uh, to join with us. Uh, let me just catch one thing before we get into our conversations here this weekend. Uh, that survey that was mentioned earlier, if you could take some time and fill that out for us, it would be hugely helpful. We're trying to get our head around uh, things here at Grace Church in, the, in all that's displaced because of COVID-19. And your feedback and interaction with us would be incredibly valuable. Uh, so that's on the app. It's right there at the top. It will literally take about 90 seconds to do. And if, if you could do that, we would, we would be grateful. Well, again, welcome and happy Mother's Day is the big thing that we want to say this weekend. And thank you, moms, for all that you do and for the sacrifices that you make and the, the massive impacts that you have on our lives. And so thank you for your sacrifice, your leadership, and your discipleship. And being a mom right now is kind of complicated in some ways. You may have been homeschooling your kids and you weren't expecting to do that. Uh, you probably are trying to balance work and school and children. Uh, maybe you're a, a grandma and you're separated from your grandkids. So we love you and we're praying for you and we want to celebrate you and hope that you get to uh, go to the drive-through experience here at Grace this weekend and enjoy that. And I just want you to know that we're proud of you and we care a ton about you. So happy Mother's Day. And we're starting a new series this weekend that we're calling The Next Little Thing. And uh, the premise of this series is really built out of the circumstances that all of us are wrestling with in one way or another right now in our culture. It, obviously, the, the last couple of months have been kind of a blur for all of us. And if you had plans, uh, those plans got displaced, right? We all have had the change in some massive, unexpected, unpredictable way. And it's, it's everything from school was canceled for the rest of the year to my sports season didn't happen or isn't going to, to the really, really big stuff like my job and my health and separation and it's this weird time that we're living through. I've certainly never been through it before, and most of us haven't. And yet God is in it, and as Christ followers, or even if you're not a Christ follower yet, just people kind of looking for hope and something to anchor onto, God wants to speak into these times and into these frustrations in our, in our lives. This is, I think, part of what's so hard. In times like this, uh, what we usually crave is clear direction, right? Uh, it, it would be easier for all of us if somebody could say, uh, you just got to tough it out for this long, right? If somebody could have said at the beginning, hey, it's going to be 12 weeks, just be tough, you can make it. It gives us like an anchoring point or a mooring point that we can plan or predict or expect. And what's been so hard about the COVID-19 is that nobody can really do that. I think on the whole, our leaders have done the best that they can do. 
and they don't know. They're learning as they go. They don't really know what's going to happen or not going to happen. And so we kind of live in this limbo of not knowing what to expect or where to go or even having a paradigm in which to make decisions. And, and that's just something we have to live with. Like that, nobody can really take it away from us completely. And even as things open up, when's the economy going to rebound? And what about school in the fall? And it's just where we're going to have to live right now. So because we're unable to have clear choices and clear expectations, we have to kind of decide what we're going to do with that. You know, are, are we just going to walk around and, and be discouraged and defeated by it? Are we going to brood about it and just kind of be on the edge of, of anger and snapping all of the time? Are we just going to kind of go manic and, and just run around and do anything that we can think to put our, our hand to real quickly so we keep ourselves busy? Or is there an alternative to those types of things? And we've talked about this a lot here these last few weeks. When we talked about taking ground, we, we talked about this idea of what if we looked at what God was doing and how God worked and we chose to cooperate with that and to follow that. And in this idea of the next little thing, that's, that, I want to kind of build on that foundation. Even though there, there's no certainty or clarity of expectation or even what, what we're going to be asked to do, there is a certainty and a clarity about who Christ is and his clarity and his certainty is not dependent on the moments that we live in. Uh, who he is and what he's like and even what he calls people to are really unaffected by the circumstances around us. And if we could get our head around that and get kind of our life decisions around that, I think it could help us a lot and could alleviate some of these, of these ideas. Now, when I say that, a lot of times what we would kind of crave in a moment like this is like, Jeff, give me the, give me the nugget, man. Give me the silver bullet. Just tell, tell, say the thing that I can get a tattoo of that's going to change everything right away. And I just want you to know up front, I don't have any of that. And that's not how this is going to work. And usually often it's not even how God works. But the question would be this. What if instead of the next big thing, the question is, what's the next little thing? What are the decisions and the small moves and the, the simple acts of trust and faith and hope that are within our control that we could make? Could the next little thing lead to the next big thing? And what if instead of looking for a grand solution that makes all of our frustration go away, what if we look for these small steps that Christ calls us to that we can actually engage and move on? Would that be life-changing in the immediate and in the long term? Would God use those things? Jesus says something fascinating about how he works 
and about how following him works. And sometimes when Jesus talks about following him, he'll talk in terms of the kingdom of God. And so he'll describe the kingdom of God. And, it, and kind of what he's saying is, if you want to know what it's like to follow me and know me and love me and interact with me, it, it's kind of like this. It's a part of the kingdom of God. And Jesus says this in Matthew 13. So he tells a parable. A parable is a story that, that Jesus uses to illustrate something. So he tells a parable and he says this. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all the seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Jesus is looking at us and he's saying, listen, I want you to understand something about the kingdom of heaven or maybe like the way that I work. The way that I work is this. A lot of times... In, in my way of thinking or in what I like to call God math, a lot of times the little thing is the big thing. So Jesus looks and says, I work like this a lot. A lot of times the little thing, the mustard seed, the smallest of all the seeds, the little thing is the big thing. It becomes a tree and it provides shelter for the birds. And the planting of the little thing, the smallest of things, actually leads to the result of the biggest of things. And that's, that's God math. God kind of works like that. And he works like that all throughout the scriptures. And you'll kind of see this as you kind of get to know God and follow him a little bit. God uses these idea of seeds, right? He'll use these small steps these small seeds of truth where he'll say, you know what? It's actually not this. It's actually just that. And if you can get a hold of that small thing, it will lead to this massive results for you spiritually. These small seeds of faith or steps of faith. You know, if you just trust me here, I know, I know you can't see everything or understand everything, but if you'll just like be obedient like today or trust my heart just in this little way, it'll lead to these great things that I want to do in your life. Uh, Jesus does this a lot with love. He's like, I just want you to love people. Well, what's lo love is such a huge concept and how does that work? And, and so he'll boil it down. He's like, just love your neighbor like, like as yourself. Like as you would look out for yourself or think about your needs or think about your desires, just think of the person next to you that way. And it's this little seed. It's just this little thing. It's not the conclusion of all things or the big cosmic picture. It's just this little thing. Treat others like you would like to be treated. Golden rule, right? Just, just do that. And this little thing... God will take and he will empower and he will use in massive ways. And that's kind of the foundation of our conversation here for the next uh, few weeks. What if the next big move is a little one, right? What if, what if God, instead of giving this, this massive life-changing answer, 
that COVID's going to go away and the economy's going to roar back and everybody's going to be better off than they were before. What if instead of that kind of thing, which is what we would kind of hope for, what if our next big move in life is actually a little one? And what if it's not a career decision? What if it's a faith decision? What if it's not a total life change? What if it's a a small spiritual habit that I put in place? What, what if it's not some, some massive redirection of everything that I ever am or thought I would be? What if it's me just deciding to become a little bit more like Christ or to trust his heart and his mind in a different way? What if our next move, big move is actually a little one? Could that be manageable could that be doable? And would that kind of be in sync with the way that the kingdom of heaven works? That God uses little things that he empowers to create big things out of them. I was, uh, I was thinking about this and, I, and these, this idea is actually kind of all through the scripture. And so I was thinking through like a, a way to put a little bit of skin on this and there's this fascinating uh, story of this in the Old Testament in, in the book of 2 Kings. And uh, in, in 2 Kings chapter 22, I'll just frame it up for you a little bit. So uh, a new king of Israel, Israel was God's chosen people, and they were supposed to be people who actually trusted the heart and mind of God and followed him closely and trusted his love for them. And they yo-yoed with that a lot, right? We do that too. Like sometimes they were really close to God and really dialed into what he wanted. And then sometimes they actually had forgotten about who he was. And so 2 Kings 22 is one of those times in that cycle where Israel had actually forgotten about God. And they had been conquered and the land had been reclaimed a couple of times. In the process, the temple of Israel had been destroyed kind of in a war, and when it was destroyed, the teachings about who God was and his heart and love for that nation was kind of destroyed with it. So a young king comes to power, his name's Josiah, and in the ancient world, everything was bloodline, right? And so Josiah was born in the right bloodline, and so he was actually appointed king when he was eight years old, and he started to rule over the nation of Israel. As Josiah got older, he decided that it was time to kind of rebuild his nation. So one of the things he did was he rebuilt the temple, which would have been like the focal point of Israeli life and culture and religious practices. And so when he was 26, he started having the temple rebuilt. And as the temple was being rebuilt, he sent one of his uh, officials down to check on the rebuilding of the temple. When the official went in, uh, to the temple, he ran into the, the, one of the priests at the temple and they said, hey, guess what? There's some incredible news you got to know about. Uh, we found the book of the law. And so we found what we would call the Bible or, or the first part of the Bible. And so he would say, you won't believe it. Everybody's forgotten about God. Everybody's forgotten about the Bible. And we found it. And, and we discovered it in all of this rubble. And so the priest hands the book of the law to Shaphan, who is the official that Josiah sent down. And I want you to see this. 
He gave it to Shaphan, and I want you to see this, ready? And guess what Shaphan did with it? He read it. Catch that? <laughs> Mind-blowing, right? Right? So he gave it to Shaphan, and Shaphan, ready? Get this. Make a note. Here it is. He read it. That was it. He did something very, very simple. He found the Bible, is how we'd say it today, and he read the Bible. That was it. Then Shaphan did something really crazy. Shaphan takes the Bible, the book of the law, and he read from it in the presence of the king, Josiah. Did you catch that? I know. This is mind-boggling. Good thing you've got me to explain it. Here it is. Ready? He gave it to Shaphan, who read it, and Shaphan took it and read it to the king. That was it. That's it. They found God's word. One person read it, got impacted by it, and they took God's word and they read it to another person who was impacted by it. And these two small steps led to a national revival in Israel. Because when Shaphan read it, and then he took it and he read it to the king, God empowered, ready, the seed, the seed. That's it. He empowered the seed and he worked in Shaphan's heart. And he worked in Josiah's heart. And Josiah said, oh my goodness, we've rediscovered who God is. We're going to re-implement his law and his teaching in his heart. In a whole country, a whole nationality of people, the Israelites, were changed because somebody read it and then read it with somebody else. And a seed was planted. And God nurtured that seed. That's it. And Jesus later on says, yeah, that, that's God math. That's, about, that's kind of the way that works. I take very little things and I nurture them and I build them into very big things and I can allow those things to become life-changing. It's not the next big move. It's the next small one. It's not the next big thing. It's actually the next little thing. Because I bet you if you talk to Shaphan or if you talk to the priest or you talk to Josiah and said, guys, what are we going to do to bring about a national revival? Well, can you imagine? A plan? We're going to have a whole country follow God again. Well, man, we need, we need to raise money. We need to get like a coliseum built. We're going to need a marketing arm. We're going to need a digital presence. We're going to need a speaker. We're going to need a sound system. We're going to need a band. If we want to move on a national scale, we're going to have to go as big and the funding. We're going to have to have all of that in order to possibly move on that level. And God looked at them and would look at us and he might say, you know, guys, actually, all I need is a seed. And if you would plant a seed of my word, 
or a seed of faith or a seed of trust or a seed of hope or a seed of truth or a seed of love. I'll handle it from there. I need you to take a step, not a quantum leap. I need you to trust me in a small answer, not a cosmic answer that satisfies all conclusions of all things. I just need a seed to work with. And if you will, so to say, give me that, I'll take it from there. The Apostle Paul leans into this idea a little bit in 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 3. And he says this, he said, I planted the seed. The seed is God's word, right? So I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. Paul doesn't make it grow. Apollos doesn't make it grow. God makes it grow. God just needs a seed. Just give me a seed to work with. I'm good. God makes it grow. So neither the one who plants or the one who waters is anything but only God. God empowering these small steps, these next little thing who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have, have one purpose and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Paul says, guys, this is the way that this works. Listen, God just needs a seed. Now you get to be a part of planting it. You, you get to be involved in the process. You, you have a role to play. But God just needs that. He doesn't need massive answers and grand solutions and forever problem solves. He needs his people to trust him in little things. And when God's people trust him in the little things, God will empower their faith, their hope, their love, their trust, their obedience. And it's God math. It's pretty typical that God would take something teeny like a mustard seed and cause it to blossom into something that has eternal value because that's his purpose and his plan and he will empower that process. Right. What's your next little thing? What's your next little thing? Not how do I change everything, because it's out of our control, especially right now. COVID-19 has probably exposed the reality of life more than changed it. But right now, we are very aware that a lot of life is out of our control. So what's your next little thing? What's your small step of Christ-likeness? Not, I'm never going to do this again, I'm never going to do that again, we're changing everything. What's your small step of obedience? What's your small step of faith? You don't have to change careers and move. And it, just how do I trust God in a small way today? What, what's, what's the next personal decision you need to yield to God? Where you just look and say, I was thinking about doing this, but I realized it doesn't honor God. I'm, I'm going to not. I realize God's calling me to do this, but it's scary, but I'm going to take a step that way anyways. What's the next little thing in your life? And if you acted on that, how could God use that in a powerful, powerful way? So it's Mother's Day, of course, this weekend, and 
I like to talk about my mom. I miss her a ton, but I, I love talking about her because she was an extraordinary lady. And so I remember uh, I, I was kind of sitting here this week trying to think of like a, a story from my mom in regards to this. And the one I thought of, um, I think is very illustrative of what it means to take a, a small step. So many of you don't know me that well. So a little bit of, of my family's story growing up was this, that when I was 12, uh, my dad, who was 48 at the time, had a massive stroke. Uh, and when he had a massive stroke, he, uh, it, it changed him kind of dramatically and certainly changed his ability to provide for our family. And so my mom was kind of the, the classic uh, stay-at-home mom. She got married in the 50s, and, and all those stereotypes kind of applied to my mom in a lot of ways. So when dad got sick, mom hadn't been in the workforce for, for decades. She'd been home raising us children, and dad got sick, and suddenly all of the things that they knew and counted on blew up. So their financial security blew up. Their dreams blew up, their plans blew up, everything changed. And I could tell you stories all day long about what that looked like, right? Uh, to have a dad that was kind of strong and confident and capable lose a lot of those things, to have a dad that took a lot of pride in being a provider and now he can't provide for us, and then to have a mom who still had two children at home. My sister was a freshman in high school and I was in the sixth grade when dad got sick. So our family got thrown into turmoil. And I remember one night, uh, we were having a rough night, right? And I bet you, you guys have had some of these at home, haven't you? The stresses and the pressures. Can you imagine the pressures on my poor mother? Trying to think about how do I keep the house? letting her dreams die. My parents loved to camp. We, we went camping. That was our family fun. She had to sell the RV, sell the trailer because we just couldn't afford it. Dad couldn't pull it anymore. So the pressures on her, the pressures on her of the man that I married is not the man that I'm married to now. And then her children. I know I, I, I almost flunked the sixth grade because my, my little world got blown up, right? And so I'm bringing home F's and D's and the teachers are calling and saying, you got to help him with this and that. And my sister is a teenager and the pressures of raising a teenager. And our home became a pressure cooker, right? Can you relate? Everything's up in the air. There is no expiration date to this trial. There are no clear answers or clear directions and God seems somewhat silent. And I remember one night feeling that pressure and the family got sparky. And a fight kind of just started around the dinner table. And somebody mouthed off about something and somebody overreacted. And somebody said something smart, Alec. And, and I remember that night, like my mom had had enough. And mom kind of smacked the table and stood up and said, I've had it. 
and she turned around. There was kind of this divider, this shelf between our dining room and our kitchen. Turned around, grabbed her car keys, and started to head out the front door to leave the house. And I remember when she did that, my sister's eyes got wide, my eyes got wide. We weren't used to seeing our mom lose her cool. My dad didn't really know what to say. And mom started to go march out that front door. And I'm a 12-year-old kid who's scared anyways, right? Everything in life was scary to me. And to see the one person who was keeping us above water lose her grip terrified me. And this is all happening kind of in seconds, right? And I remember my mind racing and I remember thinking some version of what if she leaves and doesn't come back and I'm watching her cry and be frustrated and the stress and the pressure getting to her. <laughs> and I watched her grab the front door handle. Ready? And she stopped. She stood there. She let go of it and we had like a bookshelf by the front door. She laid her keys down, walked back through the living room, down the hallway and went into her bedroom. I want you to catch this. What's the next little thing? Ready? Here was my mom's little thing. Ready? My mom's little thing was she stopped. My mom's little thing was she put her keys down. My mom's little thing was she just went to her room. That was it. That was it. She didn't have a grand plan. She didn't have a big answer. She didn't have a miracle from on high. She had some faith. She probably had some obedience to God. She had a prompting from the Holy Spirit. She had enough love within her that she knew her kids were watching. She had a seed. That's it. That's all she had. She didn't have anything left but a seed. And when she did those little things, as a little kid, that's what I thought. I thought, you know what? I feel safe. Because no matter how bad it gets, mom isn't walking through that door without me. It was life-changing for me. I'm 49 years old, and I remember this story. It's just a little thing. But it was the next little thing. It was simple. Shaphan read the book. He read it with another guy. Simple. 
But God empowers that and he uses it. We don't have to change everything and we don't have to have solutions for everything. God would say to you, just do the little thing. Trust me with the little thing. And the next little thing, 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 you know, over the course of a lifetime. See, I will use that, and I will grow it into some, I'm, I'll grow it into the biggest plant in the garden. That's the way that I work. I'm asking you for a seed. I'll take it from there. Guys, we're going to dive into this series, and, and what we're going to do is, is we're just kind of try to find those little things, the little things that are, that are manageable, the little things that are within our control, the little things that aren't overwhelming, and we'll piece those together, and as we, as we start to emerge prayerfully from the effects of this pandemic, We'll start to thrive spiritually, right? Not because we changed it all, but because we just did the next little thing. All right, Jesus, would you help us with this? Help us to see it, help us to lock into it. God, for some, some watching this weekend, the next little thing may be just to watch this series for the next few weeks or to grab old podcasts and really investigate their relationship with you. God, for some of us, we know the next little thing. We, we've just been, we've paused in taking the step. So give us the courage and the desire to do that. Jesus, for those of us who are your followers, we wanna honor you, we wanna do this well, we wanna see it through to completion. And so would you take us step by step by step and thank you for the great, great promise, God, that you redeem, you redeem our, our hard work, you redeem our faithfulness, you redeem our pain, you redeem it all. So God, help us to trust your math on it and to offer you the seeds that you will nourish and grow. Love you, Jesus. Lead us down that path even now. In your name we pray, amen.